former U.S. National Rugby Team captain. Team captain. Head coach and general manager. General manager. Now, the co-founder and CEO of the New England Free Jacks. Now. Now. Full contact CEO with Alex Magleby. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining Full Contact CEO today. I'm your host, Alex Magleby. I'm also co-founder and CEO of the New England Free Jacks. Joining me today is Tony Vainuku, Emmy Award-winning filmmaker, director, entrepreneur, creative, and overall amazing person. And just this is a very highly personal episode for me. Tony and I grew up together. Uh, we kept each other out of trouble. We got into trouble together. And we haven't seen each other in a long, long time. So it's going to be a great catch-up. And I can't wait. Tony, thanks for joining today. Hey, thanks for having me, man. It has been a long time, so I'm excited to jump on with you. It has been way too long. So we're going to start with a bit of wordplay, okay? Sure. Whittier. Elementary school. (laughs) Color me bad. Oh, God. Um, Dancing clothing. Yeah, for sure. I was going to say gerbos or braided belt, but I didn't know. (laughs) Go over R.A.M. is fight, fight, fight. High school football, or I guess I guess Little League football. That's it. Both, right? That was a great system. You know, like same jerseys, same wishbone from seven years old on. Soul Pro. Yep. Passion is purpose, baby. That's awesome. Sundance. The launch of In Football We Trust. Great. COVID. Home. Sweet home. COVID? COVID's home? <laughs> Oh, oh man, that's that's all I've been doing since COVID. Is saying, oh. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, you're way ahead of me <laughs> as usual. Lakers, the goat. That's it. That's it. Do you ever like wish you were a jazz fan? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Not even like in the mid nineties. Uh, well, no, I, I think I was. I definitely was a jazz fan when uh, Stockton Malone and and when I didn't know better. <laughs> um, you know, I, I kind of went against MJ at the time. My little brother, you know, John was a huge MJ fan. And, and um, yeah, so I definitely was into the jazz when they were doing their thing. Yeah. Uh, the future. The future. God, I mean, hopefully – Hopefully more films that have the same uh, effect as um as in football we trust. So yeah, it's amazing. I can't wait to dig into that. So just to give our audience a bit of background, obviously now you've you've made films, you've you've built businesses. Like what? Mm-hmm. Let's 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 take a step back. Like take us through your background. You know, we met when elementary school, little league football. Little league football. I was in the lower part of Salt Lake City, more in the city. You were on the east side with uh what we what we thought were the rich kids well what well what we didn't think we knew were the rich kids Palangi. Uh, they had just closed down south high school which was right where which where is where i was supposed to go um at the time and they merged uh the inner city kids with the east side kids so i ended up going to hillside with you um went to highland high school and um it was the best I mean, as most I could ask for, I think, I think I'm a huge, you know, obviously I think that just integration in that way to where you're having, you know, kids with, with not those opportunities that maybe East side kids have and just, just put them together. I think I, I'm a definitely a, um, my life was, was benefited from that, you know, being friends with guys like you and, and just being exposed to, you know, just more opportunity. And, and I came from, you know, orange, 
orange welfare cheese that I thought, you know, when I went to Hillside, I started seeing white cheese and I thought that that was like a rich thing, <laughs> you know, it was like, oh, they got white cheese, you know? So like, you know, cause I was so used to government orange cheese, you know what I mean? I mean, I know, I know that sounds like really, really weird, but just different things, you know, that, that you get, that you get exposed to and, yeah, man, it was it was good, and and then I got into filmmaking. If I go all through it all, I mean, how far do you want me to go? Let's, um, let's uh, dig into that bit more about the, the that whole transition because it's, I think, is is a fascinating transition that also then played into some of the things you've created since. Is yeah. you, you know just a bit of background for for our audience? Salt Lake City went to a system where they outlined the district based on um, racial makeup. And one South High closed, and so that changed how and where kids went to school, uh, which which actually ended up being a fantastic model because suddenly you had all, all ends of the spectrum in the same school in quality schools, and everybody able to get a good education. Um, yeah, it was, it was and like, it didn't just do it. Sorry, it just didn't do it for us. You know, it did it for West High as well. Like West High was going to school with all the kids from Federal Heights and right. and that area. So like doing that you know, and East high got a lot as well. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I'm just thinking on that prior to cut you off. Go ahead. No, no, you're exactly right. And I just remember like, um, you know, you, in in one, in one day you could be, we could be at someone's swimming pool way up high on the East bench, then into my basement and then, you know, and and your place. And, um, it's just that, that transition between geography, but beyond the geography is what those experiences were all completely different. And the, and the lives that people came from were completely different. And yet there was in some ways an opportunity for all of us to come together and keep each other out of trouble as best we possibly could through sport and, yep. um, you know, through school. And I think it's always impressed me with, you know, I've always been impressed by you is, you know, you were kind of in, in, in the worst of those situations. And I was just thinking the other day about how many, how many of the guys we grew up with who are now, um, you know, dead, uh, yep. uh, in jail or, or have spent, certainly spent time in prison. Um, and, and I guess is how did you, how did you manage that? You know, we're in seventh grade and it's not just people throwing gang signs, but you know, there were fist fights. We were getting suspended from school and you know, there, the, then, then guns started to come into the school. Right. And, and people were actually fighting over, um, you know, you know, gang territory and everything else. And that really played out into a lot of our friends and the experiences that we had. And that hit you, you know, certainly more than, than, than most anybody. And so how did you, how did you manage that? Like, how did you get through that? Well, as you know, I mean, I had cousins that were definitely involved in in the gang life. Um, and even to this day, you know, all of my closest friends um, probably are, are dead, you know, doing 30 years in prison or drug addicts. All those three. I don't have one that that, you know, that I've moved on with and, and that is here with me now, which is unfortunate. Um, but you know, as far as managing it, I don't think there is as a kid, you know, you're not, you're not thinking of it in that way. I think it's more just being open to differences, like valuing each other's differences, being open to change and, and seeing, seeing more and, and wanting to do more, you know, I mean, like when I had went from, you know, living on state street on the inner city and coming up to hillside, you know, you start seeing nicer clothes and you start seeing um, nicer cars and even the neighborhood, you know, like, you're just like, wow, you know, these, these people are so rich. They got it good. And it's funny because even at that time, I always 
wanted to live in Sugar House. And I do, you know, I've lived here yeah. now for 12, 12 years. I'm the only one that lives in. And now a lot of my friends that, that we all, that what they're the only ones that live here now are their parents. They had to move out. So, right. so I'm fortunate enough to live in this neighborhood and with their parents. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's funny, but, um, it's something that I always aspired to be in. And, and it's just really recognizing the fact that you want, you want more than what you have, you know, and, and you're willing to like do what it takes to get that. Yeah. It's, 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 a very, it's very well said, but that's very hard to do when things are stacked against one. And they certainly, um, you know, the privilege that I had relative to you and your brothers were, were significant, right. Um, and the things that you had to put up with and you look at kind of our lives in high school, you know, junior bantam football, freshman year, it was a great team. Um, but then it kind of, it kind of split apart after that. And a lot of, I mean, Jamie Wallace was on our team. Just thinking about it actually, <laughs> which was, which was cool. Um, hey, we, we were proactive with yeah, female exactly. exactly. That's awesome. That's just, yeah, that just, <laughs> you know, but George was on that team and it was a, it was a quality group. And then you know, everybody kind of went their own ways. And then how did you transition from there, kind of trying to work multiple jobs and, and get through high school and no longer able to play football and the pressure of what's happening around you from, from f- family and friends to suddenly getting into filmmaking? Or like, what was that transition? How did that happen? You know, I always had a creative bug in me. I mean, I was, um, I was definitely more creative than athletic, I would say. Well, I definitely was athletic, but I just – I enjoyed – the arts a lot more. I was always, I was always an art class, like literal art. And then um, I was writing music at the time before anybody was writing music. And then I started getting into writing hip hop. And this was before anybody was writing hip hop here, at least in Salt Lake city. Um, And so I just always enjoyed that. And so when I stopped football, which was right there around ninth, 10th grade, um, I definitely had a, a, a part of me that was a little bit lost during that time. It was like, um, you know, hanging out with the wrong crowd and, and just getting through my parents' divorce, you know, is what was what happened there. Um, but then eventually, you know, I went to college and um, just pursued a, a different direction. I, I started my own business and shooting wedding videos and, um, all that good stuff. And then, and then I, I created a business in, in web promotions and ran in, I was, I bought a camera. I leveraged everything I had at the time as a college student. I, I bought a camera and I rented it out. I said on my website that I was, a, I, I, I rented equipment as well. And I had one camera, <laughs> I had one camera and a tripod that I was renting. That's awesome. And uh, so, so a, a, a professor from NYU, she rents the camera and the tripod, yeah. which is not bad. Uh, and some sound. I had some sound. I had a, a wireless mic. But anyways, she rents it and, and wants to meet me after her daughter. She rented it for a daughter that was doing documentary filmmaking. So she starts talking to me and I start talking about the idea of Polynesian football and how, you know, people on the East coast. Cause I had a friend on the East coast that he, he, he had first mentioned the idea. He said, Tony, you should talk about the Polynesian football in Salt Lake city. He goes, because people think you're, you guys are black people from Africa with those weird names. They don't even, they don't have any idea. And so I was like, Oh, okay, cool. And I, I had talked to her about it. Her name was Alice Elliott from New York. And she said, she literally said these words to me. She said, 
that is the best idea for a documentary that I've ever heard of. <laughs> and I was like, there's no way she's just gassing me up. Yeah. Right. And, and so she explains that it's a commercial sport. It's an untold story and you have access and you are from the culture. She said, it couldn't be more perfect for you. And, you know, I started going through the process right there, but that's how it all kind of came about. That's, that's really awesome. So you started, you, but just going back to that. So you just had, you, you bought the camera, you worked hard, you're doing all these other things to kind of get through. You're managing against the chaos of what you're seeing in your social life to make that mm-hmm. work and, and finding ways to, to make that work. Renting out the camera, that's brilliant. And then this, you happen to rent it to this one person who, who gives you a bit of confidence in kind of an idea you have, which is, I think, very, very telling is, 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 is how important somebody else providing confidence and helping those ideas get to the next step. So then where do you, how did you get from, okay, this is an idea. There's a lot of really good ideas in the world, right? But the hard part and the, and the people who do it are the people who can execute, right? So how did you get from there, idea, to actually trying to make this happen and then making it happen? So, uh, so the idea um, is is really stems from something very personal for me. And you know, Joe Katoa, Uncle Joe, well. Uncle Joe's and Joe is, is younger than me, but he's my uncle and everybody knows what a badass he was. One of the best football players in Highland. Well, he ended up going to prison and becoming a crystal meth addict. And, and so that was really, really, cause he was like a brother to me than more than an uncle. Cause he was younger. We grew up together. We, me and him would be boxing against each other. We'd be racing each other. We were kind of the best athletes in the family at the time. He was a lot better than me, but, but we're as kids, you know, me being a couple of years on him, he would compete and me and him would be the ones competing. Well, when his life took a turn for the worst, our family really, really felt that. And I looked, I was looking to blame thing. I was pointing fingers at, you know, whose fault was this? Is it, is it the fact that he had all coaches as, as teachers at high school? Is it my grandma never, never making him get a job or, or my grandfather? Um, he never had a job all through high school. He never carried a job still to this day. He's, he's back in prison now and he's never had a job. He comes out and doesn't even know what that is like. And everybody was really banking on him in a lot of ways to be almost like a meal ticket um, in the, in the NFL. And so I wanted to tell that story. And so I created this trailer that was called culture clash and it had Joe jumping out of a car from a police camera the car's going about 25 miles an hour and he jumps out full stride. I've seen that. And, yeah. And, and runs yeah. it out, runs this out. And so I thought that was so compelling just to show like, and then I had NFL players in it that were like, wow, he's the best. Or that would, that would tell me he was the best player that they've ever seen. And they went on to go to the NFL. And so that was the first trailer. So it was really kind of creating a, a today. Now, now that I'm in the industry, it really is just a sizzle um, that, that you're doing to get a, get a film made. And so I, I did that. Um, and I met Jared Hess, Napoleon Dynamite, not yeah. Libre director. Yeah. He's a huge, huge mentor and friend of mine for the last 15 years, 15. Yeah. I've known him for, for years now, but he helped me edit that, that sizzle. <laughs> and, um, and then Alice Elliott, she took me to meet Jerilyn Dreyfus, who is an, an over and over uh, award-winning uh, producer and has done multiple films that have been at Sundance. And I go on to meet her with my head, with my hat crooked, 
backpack on, not even understanding like who I'm meeting. And I, <laughs> and, and I'm like, Oh yeah, here's the story. And she's like, Oh, okay, great. She, and she's like, let me get back to you on this. She calls me immediately and says, Hey, I have a producer for you to produce this film. Uh, it's a, it's a, her name is Erica. She's coming back from LA. Um, cause she was doing school out there, whatever. And if you pull her on as a producer, I'll come on as a producer as well. And, you know, really, again, they saw when you look at documentary filmmaking, the, the most important things about it is access one enough, an, an authentic voice, you know, a, a director that could tell the story. And so those two, you know, it, it uh, checked those, those boxes, the commercial sport, it checked that, you know, they looking for a built in audience, you know, something that people can, can, uh, th- th- that, you know, you don't have to do a lot of marketing for, um, and then the fact that it was an untold story, like it's never been told. And, and, and although it was something that we were all living in Salt Lake City as a, as a, as a Polynesian culture, um, nobody knew it, you know, and, and I even had friends, you know, from Sugar House and th- that watched the film after Joe Bish. And he says, Tony, you know what? Watching your film and I've known you your whole life. He goes, makes me feel like I, I haven't known you. Like I've known you and I know you in a whole different way. And so, you know, that just tells me that we did our job as a filmmaker. And and now I see as producers why they saw this as being a really, really great film and, and it going on to do what it did, you know, but as a first time filmmaker and director, I had nothing but an uphill battle. Cause it was like, you're the first at this. You're the first at this. There's no way you could do this. You have to do. And I just kept plugging with the fact that I had a great story access and the passion to, to pursue it. Yeah. Which is, there's two really key parts. And, and to our audience, if anybody hasn't seen it, you got to check it out in football. We trust uh, Sundance. Um, it, it's, it's fantastic, but very much the, the, the content piece there. And you mentioned uncle Joe and just to give a bit of context, everybody, you know, Highland multiple NFL players have come from, you know, our, our high school, our alma mater, most of them Polynesian Americans, not all, but most of them. Um, so really high quality, you know, athletes, obviously a really good rugby team as well at the time. And, um, and then the story is of, you know, four Polynesian Americans in the Valley in the Salt Lake Valley who are, you know, chasing, chasing the NFL dream effectively that, um, it seems, seems, um, and, and Tony fill in, fill this in, but that that is either seemingly, the pressure, the only option sometimes um, young Polynesian American males have uh, to kind of get out and, and, and progress. Otherwise, it's, you know, kind of gang life or, um, you know, using a shovel all day or a hammer. I mean, is that, is that, is that the case? Is that? Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and that's, yep. And that's, that's the exact story. So as, as we went in that, um, you, you have a lot of Polynesians that we naturally excel in football because we're bigger, right? We're big for our, we're big and fast for our size. In fact, Halotingata was on my film and he's, you know, played for the Baltimore Ravens. And of course, uh, he went to Highland High School as well and, and was, and jumped on the film. But going back to the fact that, you know, we did have a natural advantage in football. So it was easy for our parents to put us in football, have us excel at that. And then, Obviously, what comes with that are scholarships and and um, keeping your kid focused. And so, I wanted to tell a rounded story as I, you know, tell this this story about Polynesian kids and and I was able to get an all star 
running back Harvey Lungy, who ended up, he's now playing. Uh, I, I know he's in the league right now. I know he went with the Patriots for a while. In the Jets. I saw him at the one of the Patriots practices two years ago, maybe. But he, um, I think he's with the Jets, maybe. Still with the Jets. Okay, yeah. so, he so might be. Yeah. Right. And his story really lended itself to the pressures that come with being a lot like Joe, which was this all star. Um, the media attention was really hype around him. Uh, but overall, a lot of their stories were pretty similar. The, the way I distinguished them is I found two brothers that that um, dealt with gangs and my I my upbringing, they were actually rival. Uh, they were a rival family to my family when I was growing up. Their dad was like super. I remember watching um, him play football when we were younger. I think yeah, with BYU, right? Yeah. And, and Hunter, Hunter. Hunter yeah, we saw him at Hunter, and he was fantastic. Like they destroyed that Highland team in the late eighties, early nineties. Was it? Yeah. We- yeah. Exactly. And so I knew that his family was talented. He had two sons. And I, I wanted to give them the angle of, of using football to stay out of gangs, you know, not necessarily to get to the NFL, but just to stay out of gangs and keep them in a positive, um, in a positive, on a positive path. And the last that we had pulled on, he was a Kafusi, which is a big name in Salt Lake City. A lot of them went to Utah. Played football. Um, yeah. And, and we really gave him the missionary LDS role. It's funny because all of the kids in the film are Mormon. But they didn't come off as that. Everybody thought there was only one Mormon in the yeah. film because because we we you know we we got rid of redundancies and we really created uh, uh, some distinguished arcs uh, to each of their stories that that could help us tell a full story versus let's just focus on gangs and Polynesians. Let's just focus on um, you know we were able to do it with all of them and tell a well rounded story. Where where is every like so Harvey's still maybe potentially chasing the NFL dream? Yeah, he's Lava, in the Lava Bloomfield. Where where are the Bloomfield brother? Lava Bloomfield is is uh, the one that in the movie he goes to goes to Juby, to, to right? Juby for the gun. Yeah, and um, he ends up being the the biggest success story for me personally uh, as a director because because if if my life was most similar to to the kids on the film it would be the bloomfields the ones that dealt with the gangs um and so for him to turn his life around he's married now uh has a kid and just lives a simple life i think he works a you know regular job but but for me you know not being in prison or a drug addict or or dead right um, it's that's huge for for him and his brother his brother left to tonga for a while struggled with some drugs uh, but as far as I know, I think, I think they're all doing pretty well. Fihi, the missionary, I think he, it's, it's so funny because it's, it's not at all a, um, happy ending. I think we, at the end, we, we made it an uplifting ending, but it, it really is, there's a reality to the fact the struggle goes on and, or continues. And Fihi had some problems with domestic violence and, but I think overall, I think he pulled out and he's married as well um, with another Polynesian uh, wife and, you know, doing that thing. But there was only one that made it to the NFL, right? And and one that just stayed alive, which which to me are, are success stories. Yeah, and I think I think then hopefully the, the, the main point of the story is that there has to be other options, right, for, for, for young men, especially young Polynesian American men. Um, exactly. You know, in this situation, and, and have you found that that's changed somewhat in the valley, or is it still very much like 
you know, the, the oldest son is going to, is going to take us, um, from rags to riches through, through sport. Is that still a, um, a high pressure in a lot of the families? So again, I mean, I think it's, so my, the movie was relate was, uh, really, really compared to hoop dreams, um, that, that Sundance and the African American culture that was pursuing basketball in order to get out of, you know, uh, the inner city struggles and situations. Um, so I think naturally you still have a little bit of that. I think education is a, is really, really put number one now with Polynesian families, but there's that, that, um, that carrot, let's say, that temptation of football, even with, with all of the concussion stuff coming out, I think that's also put a, put a, that slowed it down. But when you have a kid that goes out and is naturally dominating everybody in football, I mean, it's hard not to say, Hey, use this to, to, to get everything you want, whether it's education opportunities. I think they're using football now more and they're not letting football use them. And, and, and when I say that, I, I am talking about Joe, where where you got all your coaches that that are the teachers, and they don't really give a. Shit. I, I'm not saying they don't give a shit about about you as a person, but they're really just trying to get you eligible and stay on that field. But the cost of of what they're doing to the kid and not really having him learn the studying and and what it really takes to to actually get those grades that are keeping them eligible, I, that's a problem, right? And so I think I think it's overall changing, not just for Polynesians, but but for school systems. I, I I'd imagine they're it's changing. Yeah, there's a lot of positives to the scholastic model for sport. I think, but it, right. it gets to a point where the sport overcomes the scholastic element of it, where it's it really is about an education, and the sport overcomes that, and then you get you get the real negatives of that where. Um, people are turning blind eyes and, and we see that in a lot of different aspects, which is, you know, really unfortunate. A good lesson for us is rugby now is becoming much more prevalent. We're starting to see that scholastic model for both men and women. You know, um, you, you, some of your nephews, maybe nieces, did, didn't one just go to Lindenwood maybe or? Yeah, 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 yeah. McKenna, that's my niece. That's my sister's daughter. She had just went, she just left for rugby. She loves rugby. I love rugby. Um, football. I put on a little bit of a back burner with the concussion yeah. deal. I, I, I working really closely with the Seau family on um, a narrative series that I'm doing for junior that I'm writing. And his daughter is a huge activist for CTE. So I stopped watching football uh, about four years ago. So I don't really know. I mean, I, my, my favorite team is still 49ers, but I, I don't really watch football. Um, I, I'm somewhat, Getting into it again this year, just just like highlights, but I I haven't watched football for about three three four years. Yeah, so it's a big lesson for us as we grow rugby, and for us, it's a lot. We're we're getting a lot of participation and sharing the game, whether it's non contact or or full mm-hmm. contact, and just making sure that those opportunities exist. And more importantly, that and I think rugby does a good job of this. It's just sport. At the end of the day, it is just sport, and there's other things that we all need to have a holistic, happy, healthy. Um, life and, and the sport piece is just one one part of that. Um, you know, it's, so it's a good lesson for us. You know, as a, as a company, the Free Jacks, we're obviously sports, we're in live entertainment, we're in media, which I think is relevant to your narrative and, and storytelling and that mm-hmm. process that you've gone through. Another piece to it is also consumer products and merchandise and everything else. And for a while there, you, you had started and we're running um, Soul Pro. Do you want to take us through that experience? And just what that was, what is that? Um, what lesson? Yeah. 
So Soul Probe is a clothing company um, that I started back when I was first starting in Football We Trust. And it kind of started, okay, so Soul Pro started as my production company, which was called Soul Profile Productions, which ultimately did film and the Soul Pro clothing line was uh, to, to be coming soon or whatever. Anyways, the, the film started kicking in and we needed to raise money. And my producer, Erica, was like, you know, we got to figure out ways because we're doing these fundraisers. Nobody's really putting any money in towards us making this film because they Polynesians are like, you make a movie? What? You know, they, they can't even fathom like what that means, really. Like, um, And at the time, I'm learning the ropes as well. So, so I totally understand. But I decide to sell some T-shirts uh, and bring out Soul Pro. And I put up these concept T-shirts online. And say, you know, we're raising money to make this film. And I end up, you know, selling about $2,500 worth in like five days and don't even have an outlet of or, or way to make the t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, oh, shit, I got to deliver. And so I run out and say, you know, where can I get this printed? People are hitting me up three weeks later, like, where's my shirt? And anyways, you know, I ended up getting it to them. Uh, uh, and we go off from there. I mean, we take that 2500 and re reinvest it in the company. We build Soul Pro, uh, later attach the line tat, Passion is Purpose, which, you know, after meeting with execs from Skull Candy and, and other people, they were like, Passion is Purpose is the next best thing is the next best thing to just do it from Nike. Like passion is purpose is like so great. Like make sure, you know, we promote that or whatever. And so we started the clothing line and ran it for like five years. But I, you know, when, when I started soul pro, we were, it was during, there weren't Facebook ads. So like that was just getting started. So I was right at the beginning and I was really good at posting and motivational and really putting out passion as purpose and creating this culture. And another thing that we did that was really organic was we went to festivals like, like uh, uh, summer festivals for people where people would do, do arts and crafts and foods. Yes. I went there with a clothing line, which we were one of the first to do that, at least here in Salt Lake city. Again, I think they were starting that already in California where, you know, that's the, that's one of the mecca that's not the mecca new york's the mecca of clothing but we start doing that and um you know we're able to run a business and and we start learning the ropes and it really teaches me everything that i need to know i started like self-teaching myself in marketing um uh i ended up graduating from college in marketing and a minor in film but you know i just start learning everything as far as small business goes um we end up getting a, an investor on and partnered up and that's kind of how that works and i did that uh in parallel, I, I did that with in football or trust as I was making it. So they they really complemented each other as I was making both of them or or managing yeah. both. Of them. Right, that that entrepreneurism is so you just that a quick anecdote. We're in we were in we're in um in junior high. You would make beads. You make because everybody was so into reggae at the time and faux rastas and red white, red yellow green. And I remember you were always making those. <laughs> it's, like, it's, like it's like selling t-shirts before you actually have them it's just brilliant dude, dude, i'll tell you that so, so that not how that happened is i see these beads i i go to zim's this bead place yeah. i get for for like change right and i create a necklace for maybe 30 cents you know something like that and my mom helps me with fish string and whatever you remember and i 
I go to my gym class and I have this beaded necklace on. This kid goes, Hey, I'll give you my lunch money for that necklace. And I was like, Your lunch money? I was like, How much how much you have? He's like, three bucks. He says, Three bucks. I said, done. I I give him the necklace. I'm thinking I made it for 30 cents. Like this is how much profit. So and then, you know, I'm not necessarily thinking profit. I'm just thinking I made this. For you. Yeah. So I give him that. I come back with my new necklace because I'm like, oh, I'll just go home and make another one. And it starts piling in. Uh, the, the, another kid says, hey, I'll give you my lunch money. How much is that? Five bucks. Cool. Next thing you know, I have a Ziploc full of beaded necklaces ranging from dollar necklaces to $20 necklaces. Awesome. And, 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 and then I'm in, uh, my, my, uh, my computer entrepreneur class quote, like, um, and he gives me entrepreneur of the year. Cause he says, what are you doing? He holds up the beaded necklaces. I mean, I was bringing home right around $70 a week. I, I ended up buying a, a, a basketball hoop that was on my block. I don't know if you remember playing on that. I can't remember that. Yeah. In mud. And, and it was my, my neighbor was selling it for 75 bucks and I, I ended up buying it myself. I'm in seventh grade, just making, you know, money hand over fist. And, um, and, uh, my dad, even at the point, remember, I'm poor. Yeah. My dad turns to me and he's like, Hey, how much you make this week? And I'm like, I made like 65 bucks. And he's like, let me hold one of those twenties. All right, cool. Take it. And I'm lending my dad money, yeah. you know? So I was so scared yeah. of your dad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he could have took the whole, uh, the, the whole, lot, but, um, I ended up, uh, lending my dad money in seventh grade and, and building that little entrepreneurism. You know, you know what? I tell these stories to, to my, my fiance and she, she doesn't believe them. She thinks they're like just exaggerating. <laughs> like, I was there. Oh, man. I was there. Yep. Yep. Exactly. I was able to wear some of Tony's necklaces to concert and all sorts of other things for sure. Yeah. Okay, so what's next? You know, you've, you've, you've won an Emmy. You've been on, you've been to Sundance. Yeah. What, you know, you talk about passion in terms of how you made soul pro and that was even a tagline. Is it right. is filmmaking the passion or is it what is what's how are you going to chase this down continue to chase it down are you well so so I definitely so as far as business goes uh soul pro became just something that was really really competitive I mean now yeah and as everyone knows you're not just competing with clothing lines you're competing for people's attention so whether you want um, wh- whether you're, you just don't have enough marketing dollars. You got water bottles that are going right. after your same target market. You got apps. And so we just couldn't compete in that way. And it was really just making sense of that all and, and stepping away. As far as film goes, I've been doing it for so long now. I'm finally in a position where, you know, I'm signed with an agency in LA. So my agent gets me a, a ton of work and I'm able at this point pass on projects and take projects. I'm, producing on projects as well as directing on other projects. Um, as far as Ray goes, it's, it's kind of funny. I just got out of the meeting with um, uh, the cool runnings, um, the real cool runnings bobsled team. And uh, yeah. And, and we're looking, we're developing a film. That I, I made necklaces. I said, I love, I love Bob Marley and, you know, yeah. in seventh grade and love cool runnings. Yeah. And so I'm possibly directing that film. That's, that's one, but I'm producing, you know, another film about the X games, golden years. Um, I'm producing 
another film that's on flow state. I mean, I, I'm, I work with a company called wizard media that is here actually locally in Salt Lake city that has done, a, has a really great body of work in the unscripted area. Okay. And so I'm producing with them as well as my own individual projects that I'm doing with my agency out of LA. Um, uh, another my passion project that I've been working on for years, as far as writing, is the is the Junior Seau uh, story biopic, which I've got the rights with their family and and been working on that pretty closely. But I got a lot of projects going on these days, and and what I've learned as far as filmmaking goes is you're always developing, um, and in the meantime you'll do commercials, and so I'll do commercials and and little things like that while you're pursuing these. You'll have long form and short form unscripted uh, movies. What, what I'd love to do is I still want to tap into the narrative side of things, which is scripted. And that would be my junior sale um, three part series that I'm currently writing and, and hopefully uh, we'll have an opportunity to direct. I love that. So it brings up a really good opportunity for us as the free jacks to kind of learn. Okay. You mentioned there is a lot of noise out there. And right now we're as as a sports entertainment company we're in sports entertainment right so it's we're not just competing with um the patriots if you will but we're also competing with who I love or you're competing with Netflix right so right. through all of that how do we get through the noise as a as a as a new up and starting you know 2 years in major league rugby it's new it's global it's fast it's exciting but how do we how do we how do we share that you know, I mean, in my opinion, and what I've what I've come to learn in all this is really finding out who you're looking for, like if it's rugby, and just having that target and building around that, and and really just funneling everybody to that voice. I think I've seen a lot of people do really well. I have a friend that does the CrossFit CrossFit side, and they have great content, but it's all geared towards CrossFit and they have been able to accomplish really, really great things because of that. I think a, what a lot of people make the mistake of doing is, and I think we even did at Soul Pro, is because it appealed to everybody, we tried to appease everybody. And that nest, that that seemed like a good thing, but when you look at dollars and you look at time and you look at attention, that was the wrong way to go. You know, the, we, you definitely want to pick and, and everybody will, you want to pick what you want to identify as. I mean, just again, just on my experience. And then you almost treat it like a protagonist, right? I mean, Free Jacks would be like, say rugby is your main thing. That is the main character. And in most movies, you have a main character that takes you through their, their experience and all the way to the end of the movie. It doesn't mean you don't have other characters. There's a ton of characters that play really big roles in that, but they're all surrounding this one protagonist. And so I would look at it like that exactly. Like if rugby is the protagonist and that's the, the identity um, of this, then that's your, that's your, that's your narrative, you know, and that's everything else is just how do you funnel it from, I don't know, uh, movies netflix into rugby boom you you know yeah. you just you figure out a way to to basically attach them and funnel 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 them in to your main narrative yeah i absolutely love that as, as and looking at it as an actual story and okay as the protagonist hopefully the hero what is that going to look like and, and what is the right. story and that's that's brilliant and so it's, it's a laser focus you know atlanta united and major league soccer i think what they did a really good job of talking to them is 
they get 50,000 plus people watching soccer in Atlanta. And, you know, a decade ago, nobody would have thought that was possible, but they just focused on 22 year olds and everybody else came around that. But that was the focus of everything they drove towards, um, from a marketing and business standpoint, which was, which was brilliant. It was just laser focused and everybody else tied into that, which was, which is really compelling for sure. Exactly. I mean, and it's like any, any big business owner was going to say, don't do, don't too much, don't do too much too soon. You know, you want to be bigger than you are and you want to try to reach all these different types of audiences there. Everything will come, you know, like, but you, it's almost like, and they say this in the music industry, they say, you know, you, you got to blow up your hometown before you can blow up anything else. And uh, as far as like uh, getting people to support you and, and so, yeah, it's really, really getting that focus in really identifying with that target. And then everybody else will come naturally come, you know? Yeah. If you all right. I, I love that. So quick rapid fire. What, any good movies lately that you've seen? You know what? I was, I was thinking on that and not movies, but uh, I had just watched the morning show. And I <laughs> You know the, the series. Yeah, on, yeah, uh, yeah. At first, I thought you meant the actual morning show. Like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, "Is that good?" Huh? Okay. Uh, yeah. No, no, no. The morning show series. Uh, I was really, really like that. It was one of. I don't binge. I mean, you know, I'm not going to say I don't binge things, but I don't have time to binge things at this at this point. Right. But um, that one. I just stayed up, you know, and, and I went through it. And so I thought it was so well written and it was compelling. Of course, it was based on Matt Lauer and that whole scandal and all that good stuff. So that was really good. I also love the Fargo series um, okay. just because of the how different it is from from what's on TV right now. Um, yeah. And so those are kind of the two that stand out to me love right that. now as far as uh, film watches. Any good books? You know what? Books? I don't. Read a ton as far as books go. I mean, I read a, 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 a relentless. Um, it's a, just a self self motivating book. Um, Ishmael was a really good one that that I love. I'm so I'm always reading different articles, more like yeah. short story, and I'm obviously reading a ton and ton of content on different things that we're developing. So yeah. not into the book thing. It's more like the film medium and. Um, quick reads that are that are in relation to my research. Yeah, that support that. Yeah. I actually love that. You're total totally focused. What what is something you've always wanted to do but haven't? Uh, get into the narrative world. <laughs> the the uh the scripted movie world. I mean that that I've been really pursuing ever since in Football You Trust since uh 2016. And, uh, it's a process, you know, but I've done everything as far as, uh, really prepped myself in, in writing, um, learning that, that, that part of, uh, of directing and producing and, you know, getting my chance to, to show and prove myself in that, um, medium of, uh, narrative filmmaking versus documentary is what I can't wait to do. Yeah. And that's a big transition, right? Yeah, 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 a little bit. It's it's becoming easier and it, and it it is a lot more um it's a lot closer now because of how creative unscripted is getting. Like it's getting really really like the reenactments and the fusion of both of them is getting really creative and closer. So I think it's the it's it's definitely time. I mean, I'm I'm actually working on one project uh about the a Bitcoin scandal Ponzi scheme and I'm looking to 
really fuse some really great actors and in uh, uh, narrative style as well as documentary. That's awesome. Okay, I can't wait. What would you advise your younger self, us as as kids? What would you have advised us back then? Oh my now, word, man! In hindsight, well, for me and you, uh, maybe not to go so fast on on the dirt track <laughs> yeah. on a scooter. Yeah. <laughs> you remember that? Yes. <laughs> oh my god! You almost killed us. Yeah, you know, but we were having fun, right? Oh my gosh! I mean, yeah, yeah. Advise us not to not to try to take a scooter through a dirt track uh, yeah. at full speed, yeah. thirty five miles an hour. Hey, you know, we have to. You have to try it to figure out whether you can do it or not. <laughs> we we definitely didn't didn't get it right. I remember being knocked out of breath and looking at you, and you looking at me and going, "Are you okay?" <laughs> oh my gosh! Uh, hey, we um, survived. Yeah, you know, I mean, like really looking back at, at all of us, you were always a really great example to me and just a good friend. And um, even though you did live on the east side, you know, you weren't really one of the east side kids as far as. I appreciate uh, that. Well, well, I, I mean, as far as money, you know, and, and growing up now uh, and understanding where everybody really was financially, you know, as a kid, again, I'm coming from the inner city to anybody on the east side to me is rich and you know knowing knowing where you came from and and the the struggles that you had to deal with even with among the the kids up here you did you were always really smart really disciplined um a huge example i pro- i i would probably advise myself to to stick with you a little longer and let you guide me <laughs> that instead i kind of uh you know, went the other way, but, um, I'm proud of you, man. I'm, it's, it's, uh, it's good to see you doing your thing. I, I mean, I've never worried about you, of course, and, and I kind of watch you from a distance. Um, but always proud, man. Cause I know how, I know how good your heart is. I know how, how, how awesome your dad was and, and your mom. And, and so, yeah, man, I think you, you did really well for yourself as well. well appreciate so. that, brother. It's uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think very, very fortunate to, to have had quality parenting, right. And a lot of people don't get that. They don't get to have that opportunity. And certainly me and Zach and Josh had, um, had that. And you, you know, and you have a tight family as well. Um, which is, I think has also been really important from an outside observation for you is that, yeah. um, you have that family to lean on. What would you do? This is the question I ask everybody. And we've touched on a few bits of this, but if you were running the free jacks today, what would you be focusing on? Oh my gosh. Um, the real content, the authenticity, I mean, like, like the truth, I mean, they just give it to people. I mean, it, everything is so polished in a way. Now I, I look at it, you know, you look at the rock, the rock has done really, really well. I love the rock. I love everything he's done. He's, he's changed um, social media for the better and, and, and change the way other celebrities look at it. A lot of times celebrities wouldn't jump on there. And now Tom Cruise is on there and Will Smith jumped on there. And that was all after the rock really did that. But, yeah. and I think it's because the rock has, has been really authentic in, in his ways, but he is really, really polished and everybody is, everything is really thought out. I mean, if I could do it and, and really focus on the marketing and, and sharing, um, content and whatnot, I would, I would really tighten up on the fact that, you know, we're just going to give it to you raw because you never know what's going to land, you know, and what people are going to identify with. But what people do smell these days is because it's a marketing advertising world is being sold, you know? Yeah. And so it's just like, we just want real shit that they can identify with and, and make, uh, make for themselves. Right. I mean, like, um, 
Yeah. So, I mean, I that, that makes any Absolutely. And like when we started, um, you know, we started a series of podcasts, but this one in particular was we're going to be having these conversations anyway, I am, and to learn as much as we possibly can. And okay, what are we doing well? What aren't we doing well? So we might as well share that, you know, and it's like I go through these and every time it's like, oh, wow, they're, they're seeing what we're not doing today. Right. And I think that's right. probably a vulnerability that um, my younger self wouldn't have allowed. And I, think, right. you know, just trying to trying to be a bit more vulnerable uh, is really important for me and my growth. And hopefully, you know, that's we can share that with other people then as well. Exactly. That's exactly what I'm talking about. And I think everybody, you know, you'll, you you notice the ones that do it really well and the ones that don't. And at the end of the day, you gotta you gotta swing. You gotta you gotta put it out there, and and people will do what they want with it. You know, it might it might get you that cranberry truck full of cranberry. You know, for writing down <laughs> yeah. the street. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Stevie Nicks, right? I mean, it might get you that, or it might you know get totally ignored. But you'll, you're not gonna know unless you just put it out there. So I, I like like everybody, and I'm just thinking about what you just said as far as like putting out stuff that isn't you know necessarily. Um, uh, that you don't think is, 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 is marketable, whatever. Um, you have people that put up there when they land their kick flips or when they accomplish all these like crazy tricks they're doing online, but it's so nice and refreshing when they show how many times they messed up, you know, or whatever, like, and now people are starting to do that. They're starting, just starting, which is kind of interesting, right? I mean, you're thinking like, why wouldn't they have done that a long time ago? Just to be real about it, people people appreciate that. Uh, that's a really good analogy, like the, the yeah. skating and the, the 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 falling and everything else. It's a very pertinent analogy. Yeah. We'll end on that one, Tony. So great to uh, reconnect, and I'm so proud of you. I, I loved, I absolutely loved in football. Uh, we trust. It was just a, um, it was. Uh, it obviously brought me back to home in a lot of ways, but I think it was so compelling and, you know, certainly in the sports world, but just culturally, um, a lot of lessons there for, for us. Uh, so thank you very much for what you're doing. Um, keep it up. And I can't wait to uh, see the next one. Thank you, my man. I appreciate it. And I will definitely, uh, yeah, keep you up to date as far as what I'm doing. Um, as soon as it's all ready to launch, it, it'll, it'll be out there, but I appreciate you. And, uh, Appreciate being on here, man. This was great. It was uh, actually good to go back down memory lane. I haven't thought about solo things for a long time. So, so good. And Tony, where can people find you on uh, social? Uh, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, just my name. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm mostly active on Instagram. Okay, brilliant. Tony, thank you so much. All right, brother. Thank you. Thank you.